Hello, and welcome to Running a Small Building Firm, a podcast brought to you by the HBXL Group for residential building firms, working on renovations, extensions, loft conversions, and new builds. We discuss everything from money and marketing to competitors and contracts. Here, we share advice and best practice, and plenty more. So welcome. So hello, everybody, and um, welcome back to our Running a Small Building Firm podcast. And um, today's um, session is all about customers not paying and how to nail the money. And it's um, a really important subject, evidently, if you're running a business. Um, but it's you know more important than ever to be thinking about it carefully um, at the moment. And we'll find out a bit more um, why from Simon, um, our um, podcast guest today. So I'm very pleased to welcome back Simon, um, Simon Lazarus, um, to our podcast podcast today. Um, Simon's um, a director of the Better Business Group, and um, some of you may may well have um, met him before. Um, He provides builders up and down the UK with um, advice on um, how to make the most of the building project leads that you get. And also he can provide you with millions of pounds worth of uh, building project leads um, as well. And Simon's also one of our wonderful trainers on the Skills Bootcamp programme that HBXL um, offer in conjunction with the Department for Education. So we have courses like CAD for Construction, Estimating Skills, and also really critically business management skills um, for successful construction firms. Um, and you can find details of those courses on the HBXL website. So um, today um, we have Simon's huge experience at our disposal um, his knowledge of both the customer, probably your homeowner or maybe a commercial client, and um, how building firms get on on the other side actually getting paid. Um, and we're talking um, about this very important topic about how you get paid, whether that's a homeowner or commercial client. And those are those are two slightly different types of client, as no doubt you're aware, in terms of getting paid. So we're going to get going, um, but we're going to start just by asking the question. I'm going to ask Simon, how big a problem is payment and cash flow in the construction industry um, today, Simon? What, what are your thoughts on this? Well, it, it's massive, actually. The insolvency rate uh, is huge in the construction industry. It's the highest, actually, of any ca- trade category at all. Wow. The, the period ending April to June 2023, that's the last figures that became available, 18% of all company insolvencies were in construction. And that was actually 4,262 building companies went bust in three months. So this is a massive, massive problem. And this is not a hangover from COVID and the lack of work that people had over COVID. Of all industries, construction insolvency has been the highest in every quarter for the past 10 years. So there's a serious problem with the way a lot of construction companies are operating. I yeah. think I think there's probably three primary reasons for that. The one is generally builders work on unre- unrealistically low profit margins. So if a problem arises, they've got no buffer to cover themselves and to hold themselves over and to keep going. Yeah. So yeah. they're prone to go bust very quickly. There's poor cash flow. Uh, certainly on commercial contracts, they work often on payment by valuation in arrears. So they're financing these jobs in advance for the client, putting themselves at risk. Another big problem is there's a long chain in the construction industry of different people involved in the project. And there's what we call the domino effect. You and I are probably old enough and, and been involved in the industry enough to know when Carillion went bust in uh, January 2018, they had liability, 2018, they had liabilities of almost £7 billion. And they had a trading... Oh, Mikey. Yeah, they had... That's a huge. It was absolutely massive at the time. And it's still massive by all the insolvencies that are going on now. 
but they their basic business was subcontracting everything out and they had 30,000 subcontractors and suppliers a month later in October 2018 there was a 20% overall increase in the number of UK building companies going bust uh, just because of them so this domino effect it's, it's like a chain reaction one mm. building company has a problem and they can pr- quickly bring down a whole range of other related businesses so particularly if you're working on commercial contracts you can do everything right your company that you're com- uh, contracting to can do everything right but if a client doesn't pay or goes bust if they're a commercial contract that can bring you down as well at the end of the chain okay so i think the main lesson to learn from all of this is you can't run your business expecting things to go well and to go to plan every time you've got to accept that you will get a problem or two every year and you've got to minimize the effects of this by preparing for it and allowing it in the day-to-day one that you way that you run your business i think that's the big thing that people need to take from what we're going to go through today you will have problems you've got to account for them and you've got to allow extra profit for the time that you don't get paid on one of the jobs yeah okay so that's so that's that's one answer you need to build in this buffer on every job and so that means probably charging more than you'd you'd normally do so on 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 the jobs that you take on and are assuming are going to go right and that is as you're saying is to to protect against uh the other you know the other problem projects and i i guess if you end up banking that positively by the end of the year great go you but if not and you know sodzlowski is my friend things will go wrong there will be the odd bad payer um So yeah, so what, what what else can they do then? What what what's what's the answer generally well, speaking? Would you say? Yeah, I, mean, I think you've got to decide what type of client you're going to work for. You mentioned before commercial versus residential work. Obviously, if you're a specialist subcontractor, a firm of electricians or ground workers, you'll primarily be working for other companies and you're more at risk. So you can, if you're doing those sort of projects, do a bit of preparation. You should check their accounts at a company's house, and you should. Uh, obtain a background financial check on them to see whether they're loss making they've got any outstanding county court judgments if you do a proper formal credit check on these people you'll be able to see how quickly they pay their bills as well uh, this is a sort of service that we provide to residential customers on the alternative builders they're thinking of getting quotes from as opposed to our our builders we win our builders a lot of work because the detrimental information we find on their competitors so anybody that's working for a commercial company you must do this due diligence before you even entertain quoting them in the first instance and if you're working for them regularly, you must do it regularly to see if their circumstances are changing. So you're far more at risk on these commercial type projects because you're working for bigger companies that are used to dealing with smaller subcontractors. Their contract terms and their payment terms are all in their favour and against you. They're fully lawyered up. So unfortunately, there's still a lot of subby bashing, if you like to call it that, going around where these bigger companies will take on smaller subcontractors with no intention of paying them at all. And they know that they can drag out any dispute uh, until you go bust so yeah much rather at risk okay you can protect yourself against this sort of stuff to a certain extent in theory you can get uh, credit insurance uh, so with this type of insurance you can claim if a business you've done business with um, goes insolvent or can't pay the bills that they owe you and what happens is they credit check all your clients and look at what percentage of your turnover they are uh, before they will allow you to have this cover for them The disadvantage of this is you have to provide your debtors list, your outstanding debts uh, and outstanding accounts every month to them. And they will be seeing this information just not from you, but from all other people that they're covering uh, as a business. So they're far better informed of any potential problem businesses than you are. 
And as soon as they can see that a business is slow and paying or they're having problems, they will withdraw the cover from that company immediately. So by the time you have a problem, you probably aren't covered for it. So that's not really worth worth exactly. the insurance, then, is it no. really? So yeah. very rarely in my experience does it actually pay out. So it is available. If you're a small business, um, probably four-ish thousand pounds a year. If you're a bigger business, one to four percent of turnover is what you'll pay. Um, you have to look at who your client base is and the mix of clients you've got. It might be worth looking into, but just be aware of the pitfalls of doing it. That's really going to formal sort of insurance cover you're likely to get that's, that's there to protect you. Okay. Um, so this commercial type work or subcontract work is quite difficult. Um, I think a far better way, certainly in the current economic climate, is to work for residential clients if you can. So with a residential client, um, you're in control of the project. So you need to certainly, we'll go through in a second, pre-screen these clients to make sure you're quoting for decent clients. You use your contract, your payment terms, so you're far less at risk of having the same sort of problems with, with these sort of clients as you would do with a commercial client. So you mentioned, Simon, before about um, you You can obviously do credit checks um, on a builder's competitors. Um, but how might a builder go about if he's not a member of your, say, he's a, I don't know, say he's a roofing contractor and works for a house builder, say, and um, that's where he gets the majority of his repeat work from. Um, how would he go about um, or what, what services are available to do those credit checks for them, them to do those credit checks themselves? Okay. You can go to Companies House and check out any company free of charge. You'll be able to see all their trading history, their profitability, and you'll be able to see who the owners of the companies are and what other directorships they have of any other companies. Then you should then check the whole chain so you've got the whole picture of that individual. What you won't see on those credit checks are uh, how quickly they pay their bills, county court judgment information, and, and an analyst report. You can do a search on the web to find out how to, how to credit check people. A lot of these people that offer a basic search for you apart from company's house they'll do this search for you free and report the information and you can then pay them for the future for further credit checks or if people want to contact me uh directly i'll be able to do that for them i can charge them a cost for that it's not a problem and i can go through their business with them and give them a bit of free help and advice uh, yeah. on the individual project and the, and the client as well so they're yeah, that's, that's particularly important if you've got a repeat a repeat um client um that you're you know you're working with to just make sure that they're all on the straight and narrow and i guess if you've got a brand new um uh you know potential commercial client and you want to check them out again yeah you also need to check them out regularly big big failing is what in the good old days it was much worse but it still goes on these bigger contractors they take you on if you're good and you're relatively cheap they will try and give you loads of work so they monopolize your time and you lose your recommendation base that you have from other clients. What they then do is slow down on payments, bring in bring in different payment terms at a drop of a notice, and then eventually they don't use you and they take on some. Wow, so that's quite tactical on their part, isn't it? Yeah, it's brilliant, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, in the bad old days before the Construction Act came in to to sort of stop a lot of this uh, bad bad um, practice. Subcontractors, the main contractors were tender at a loss on the overall project, and the way they made their money is by not paying any of the subcontractors. You know, it was, it was rife in the old days. It still does go on to a certain extent, and you need to be aware of it. I suppose yeah. what you've got to ask yourself is somebody contacts you and wants you to work for them. Your first question is, who have you been using previously, and why aren't they, you, or you know, why aren't you using them now? Why have you come to me? So you need to check those out in great detail at day one before you yeah. go to the time you spent quoting them. All yeah. Right? 
Okay. So um, back to your point about residential versus um, consumers, uh, sorry, you know, residential versus commercial, sorry. Um, so uh, a homeowner type client, residential work, um, you know, there's presumably as many cowboy customers there as there are kind of unscrupulous kind of commercial clients then. And that, that must be a real problem too. I, I mean, are there any signs a builder should look out for to, to protect themselves on the residential side uh, or run a mile if, <laughs> if necessary and walk away from a job? Yeah, absolutely. You need to do that. I mean, generally speaking, residential clients, they're looking to improve their living conditions. Um, with them, it's an emotional purchase. If they like you, they'll use you and they will pay a premium for you, and they will use your mm. terms and conditions of contract. But obviously, there are cowboy clients out there. And if you don't come across in the correct way and protect yourself, these people are looking for people to knock, so you fall into that trap. So what a lot of builders don't do is they don't pre-vet the clients. They take as many inquiries as they can. They market themselves as much as they can. They get all these inquiries in, and they spend enormous amounts of time and effort, uh, which equates to money in my in my book, visiting these people and quoting them for absolutely no return whatsoever. So the first thing you need to do is pre-vet them. So there's a few things that you can do generally quite quickly to, to screen out a lot of the inquiries. The first thing is, where did the lead come from? If a lead came, for instance, from one of the rating websites, there's loads of them now that are sort of copied what we do, you're probably up against many, many other quotes, some of them extremely cheap, probably below the cost of materials. I've spoken often to people that are getting 15 or even 18 quotes from these different websites they might get three or four from each of them so it's crazy well, they're hiding to nothing they're just trawling for a cheap price in the main okay so you've got to look at the source of the inquiry in the first place my builders that quote uh on leads from these sort of sources they probably convert one out of 20 when they quote the right money maybe one out of 10 so if any of you guys watching this are converting three out of 10 i won't name them from you know who these all the all these sites are you're grossly undercharging for your work trust me okay the second thing you should ask the client is what their budget is. And I don't think there's any reason that you shouldn't do that when you first make contact with them. Obviously, don't say how much have you got to spend. That's rude. You know, do it in a nice way. Did your architect give you a suggested budget for the work? If not, at that time, give them rough guidance prices, perhaps £2,500 a square metre plus fat for an extension shell only with no second fix, 65 plus fat for dormer roof, single, single dormer roof, Um Give them a budget price. If they say, well, blimey, my architect told me it's only going to be half that amount of money, then they're probably not worth pursuing, are they? And you will find a lot of clients that have got totally inadequate budgets for the job. They've been totally misinformed. A lot of architects, unfortunately, there are a lot of good ones out there, but there are a lot of them will grossly undervalue the cost of the project because they know if they tell the client up front what it's likely to cost them, they won't pay them to draw the plans up. So they get a real shock when you know they get some proper quotes in. But there's normally some cowboy that's quoting ridiculously cheap along the sort of lines that they've been told the job might be able to be done for. So all these sort of art, these bad architects and this bad practice is validating the cowboys. The client then thinks that low price is the right money for the job when all the other guys are trying to rip them off. And this is why they tell you that you're an expensive builder where it's in reality you're not. In fact, you're probably grossly undercharging with the price. Yeah, and, and I, I guess um, unless you're in the industry per se, you won't know that, that you know, um, pre-COVID prices, the cost of building work is up by 35, 37, 38 percent or whatever it was pre-COVID. Um, and so they're perhaps they could be sitting on plans, had planning permission, you know, several years ago, had conversations where it was that bit cheaper, but it is really now much more expensive um, to build. So. Um, yeah, I guess there's, there's that side of it um, as well. And certainly with our 
self-build hat on where we provide estimating services to self build that's very common that they've just got old information not necessarily even you know massively misguided it's just old data um and um you know very surprised when they you know they understand that they're going to have to rein in their expectations um or dig deeper or take finance especially that we don't quite a lot of finance but a lot of people have got money and they are credit worthy and they're taking finance they don't want to scale back the project and they don't want to delay it they've come this far and they've decided now they want to do it yeah uh, so often they're taking extra finance or remortgaging or whatever to ensure they can do the project they want so a lot of these are going on and planning numbers are high trust me you know there's lots of inquiries out there at the moment and these people have got money okay okay i suppose the next thing you need to ask people is how many quotes they're getting and i don't think that's unreasonable question for you to ask if they're not responsive to these sort of questions you know you've got to ask yourself are these really the sort of people who want to spend a load of time and effort uh quoting so how many quotes they're getting i think three is probably okay five or more i personally probably wouldn't bother and certainly if they're getting 15 or 18 quotes or they tell you loads you're going to be on a hiding to nothing aren't you so why why waste your time and effort with them Do you know just duck out gracefully um I think the next thing is, what's the nature of the work? So my general rule, if you can, avoid anyone that's building for a profit. So all these people, if they're building for profit, they want their share. If you're working for a contractor, whatever price you give him, he will put his profit margin on your price. Whereas obviously, if you had that client direct, you'd be able to charge that difference yourself and earn that money yourself and have a better contract and payment terms than if you work for that builder. So avoid building uh Avoid quoting and working for anybody if you can that's working for profit. They want their biggest share of the slice they can have and give you the smallest share of the slice. Homeowners, as I said, they're looking to improve their living conditions. It's an emotional purchase, not a business decision here. So if you approach these people in the right way, you prove your worth to them. You know, you can win these jobs at a premium price. The other thing which a lot of builders don't ask, is there a project manager? If there is, you're going to need to allow extra time and charge more to allow the time that you spend dealing with them review the contract and payment terms as well uh, particularly if there's a project manager you know they're going to be charging a lot of money to project manage the job for the client and they're going to try and justify that generally speaking by finding a few problems with what you're doing and they're going to be spending a lot of time on uh, liaising with you and exchanging paperwork and all this sort of stuff you're going to have to allow the same sort of time and money and effort in replying and doing the same job that they're doing so you ha if there's a project manager up front, you need to make sure that that's the sort of job you want with the hassle that comes with it. And you have to allow for the extra cost and time you're going to have to spend on it when you quote the job. Yeah. And I guess just on that point anyway, making sure that you always allow for your project management time on a job. We do. Pl we, we talk to plenty of builders that don't actually allow their own time for you know for project management and coordination and client meetings and emailing and responding you know to requests, et cetera um they uh they, they they just don't <laughs> sorry that's a side point i know but just talking about project management making sure that you uh you know you do do incorporate that within your fees yeah you're absolutely right it's not just the project management most builders don't allow for most of the business overheads they have for running the business yes, for the individual job which is yeah. a huge proportion of the cost of a job actually for most, yeah. most businesses. can be about 18 yeah. percent of turnover routinely yeah I, yeah it would be you know, if people are just putting 15, 20% on the cost price of the individual job, they're going into that job looking to make, to be honest, bugger all or a loss. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. This is, an in, this is why insolvency is so rife in the building industry because, unfortunately, builders don't cost these jobs correctly. Okay, yeah. so 
we can go through that and we have done on other webinars and podcasts but we'll touch yeah. on it a bit later if you like okay all righty so um so what is the best approach then to getting paid because that's the nub of this obviously this um podcast isn't it is okay we've, we've filtered out those clients that are um might, might be tricky and filtered out some of the projects that we don't want um so clients stick in the right boxes um what are the i don't know three or four things that the builder should be considering um in order to get the pay get paid the full okay. amount where possible at the run at the right time importantly because you know you don't want to be cash flowing the, the client okay first thing is nobody's going to use your pay more for you if you look and sound the same as any other builder um, certainly not the cheaper builders who are very good at selling themselves so you've got to give these people you pre-screen them out you then have to give these people 110 percent commitment through every part of the process to prove you're different your aim when you put your quote in is to get to the short list nobody's going to turn around and use you straight away so the first thing you've got to do is produce a really good high quality detailed estimate don't worry about giving the client too much information uh, either they're responsive to what you do and they're the right sort of client uh, for you or they're not okay you won't win a job by putting in uh, very little detail and a summary price because that's what the cheap cowboys do they'll have a similar looking quote to you and it'll be cheaper than you and also you're in for an argument and a proper and a potential problem being paid because if your quote doesn't detail uh, everything there can be an argument later about what they should be paying you for and how much they should be paying for you so yeah fully, fully detailed quote i'm a big fan of hbxl as you know that's why i'm doing these podcasts with you joe Thank you know you. your estimates are brilliant uh eight out of ten of the jobs my builders win uh are based on the back of your estimates i'm you know your software is great obviously other software is available but <laughs> yes. Yeah. Way to go. Service and public service announcement. Okay. Yeah. So high quality estimate, and in that estimate, you have to allow, as we just touched on, the running cost for the business, the labour plant and material for the business, and a good profit margin on top of that. Now, fifteen to twenty percent on the cost for the job is totally inadequate. I've got to tell you, you should be looking at fifty to sixty percent on top of the basic costs for the job. That so can allow. I just um, can I just interrupt you there then? So for people listening, so that is across overhead, so the, the markup for your overheads and your profit margin. So we're not talking just about slapping 15, 20% on in total. We're saying you need to have an allowance. You know, you were saying you're typically 18% or so um on um on overheads given inflation, but anywhere between 15 and 20% on overheads. And then separately, you need a, a, your markup of say another 25, 30% on top of that which is getting to your 50, 60%, yeah. yeah. You don't just put the mark up on your labour partner material, the cost for the individual job. You have to ascertain what your overheads are for running the business, and you have to put your profit margin on top of that as well. Otherwise, yeah. you're reducing the overall profitability of the business at the end of the year, okay? Yeah. And that equates roughly, for most businesses, about cost price for the individual job plus 50, that's five zero, fifty 50% to 60%, and that will probably give you about a 20% net return after all your costs which is where you need to be as a business and that will make you if you're a small business working from home and on the tools that will still make you a cheap builder trust me other businesses that are more established with offices and staff and more vans on the road who aren't on the tools they've got foremen on the sites their overheads will be far higher than yours when they do that same calculation they'll be far more expensive than you so yeah. most people watching this webinar are nowhere near at the top of the tree price wise there's plenty of headroom above you trust me because we know when we take most of you guys on, we help you charge 20% more than you are now, okay? 
I've had several guys in the last week or two win jobs at cost price plus 60%. They're dumbfounded. One guy got £30,000 more on the on the job that he did than he would have charged previously to me having the conversation with him. Well, that's life-changing. You know, five or £10,000 probably to a lot of people watching yeah. this webinar in the bank today would be life-changing. As you said, you know, a lot of businesses are struggling with COVID repayments and whatever. So this can change tomorrow with the next quote you do if you do this properly. It's really important you do it right. So cost the jobs really accurately. Take account of all the things that are going to go into that job, wastage, breakages, put it, build in a buffer for any problems because there will be something. No job runs to time scale or to profit. Uh, high quality estimate isn't the first place, really detailed. So you, yours stands out from the other people that are just doing short quotes, one pages with no breakdown. And in that estimate, often you won't have a proper second fix uh, spec from the client at day one. So don't include PC sums from them in your quote, separate them out, put a range of prices as guidance for them after you've closed your quote off. You then get to a short list, you have a further conversation with them, you button down all these second fix items as much as you possibly can, and you quote them accurately. So there's no leeway for misunderstanding and non-payment once you've started the job. Okay, that's something we can go into in a lot more detail later on, but it's a big failing of most of the quotations I see, okay? You do a general one to start with, but take out the PC sums and button them down uh, accurately before you start the job. And if you haven't done them at the start of the job, a range of prices, you quote them individually as and when they come up in writing, you do an amendment sheet, the client signs to agree it and the price, and you then redo your payment schedule to take account for that. Under no circumstances, you save them to the end, which is another reason why most builders are not being paid the final payments. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So Next I guess one. that comes down to the contract then. So you must, you know, outlining it in the contract and then everything else is a variation, yes? Yeah. So obviously, uh, my view is you have to have a contract. I mean, you will in reality have a contract. If you don't do a proper written one, you will have a verbal contract if you started work, but you can't prove what those terms were. It's just your word of mouth against theirs. So you must use a contract on every job you do, and you must include a legal 14-day a notice of cancellation in which they can change their mind once they've given you the job. A lot of builders don't know that. It's been the law for quite some time now. If yeah. you don't do that, your contracts will be deemed not to be binding on them and you won't be able to enforce your contract terms. And yeah. you've got to remember, the people that aren't paying you, these are cowboy clients. They're looking for builders they can knock. So if you do these things right at day one, they won't give you the job in the first place. So you'll lose a few jobs you thought you were going to get. But believe me, you're balance sheets and look far better at the end of the year by not working for these people than it would have done okay you'll be filling your jobs and your your calendar with good honest clients that will pay you a premium price that's what your aim is here okay yeah. so proper contract terms there's there's lots of industry standard ones in my view most of them are very client friendly and quite difficult to win a dispute under them and a lot of them are very very wordy and to be honest for a lot of the jobs that most residential builders are doing there. I think, a bit over the top. Uh, so ideally you want your own contracts that's in your favour and with a, a proper payment schedule and a, and a proper terms that are in your, in your favour. So yeah. that's a must, okay? If anybody wants advice on that, they can contact me. I'm happy to have a chat to them about that. We we give our builders a, a fairly tough contract that's in uh, primarily in their favour and we can soften it if need be for clients yes. as well. But most clients go along with it. By the time they decide they want you, 
you then present them your contract terms and your payment terms. You don't discuss that at any time until they're giving you the job. It's not part of your quote. Uh, if you then give them the, the the contract terms and the payment terms when they're giving you the order, they'll just do it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, HWIC, so we've got we've got also um, I know you provide um, um, particular templates, contract templates as well. So it, um, if you work with Simon, um, I'm, no doubt you'll have access to that through through, through himself um, and HWIC's contract expert software um, is an alternative and you can um, you can use the contracts that were drawn up by um, construction con- commercial lawyers um, and they are very much balanced um, in terms of, you know, the um, how fair they are, because as, as, as Simon said, there are contracts out there that which are very unbalanced and very uh, consumer um, oriented. Whereas yeah. you know we understand the realities of, um, of, of of the industry and the and the challenges that you'll no doubt um, face. So you can use that, and you can end to end that with Estimator Express our software. So you've estimated the job, and then it will produce the contract um, for you. Um, with a little bit of input from you about um, some tweaks to the clauses. And as um, Simon says, that very important um, payment schedule and includes things like the right to the notice of the right to cancel. And if they want to start straight away because you've got availability all of a sudden and things like the start work now form, which waives that 14 day notice and also has things that are really important, like the change in the work form um, so that you document that and get them to sign it off. Um, and you know it's, it's quite extreme as, as, as Simon mentioned but it is actually a criminal offense to exclude a right to cancel the job so you should actually have one of those um, and it go very wrong if you have not um, um, given that notice or got them to the, the, the client to sign this start work now I really desperately want you to do the work <laughs> form um, and that's in, again in the, in, in the software um so I guess the contract suggests that something is going to go wrong with the job, but, you know, clearly there's a lot at stake. There's a lot of the homeowner's money and there's a lot of money that, you know, the, the builder is um, paying, um, you know, to get this job um, you know, going. And I know we're going to talk about stage payments in a minute and some ways to help protect the builder, but, you know, uh, you know, why, why does it seem so risky? You know, it seems quite simple. There's a client, they want a job done. You're going to do it. Why, why does it all go wrong? Well, firstly, I understand from the builder's point of view, most of the time you won't have a problem. So you think, why am I wasting all my time doing all this paperwork? It's a complete pain in the arse. I'm working 25 hours a day, eight days a week already, and I've got no private life. Why do I want to really want to spend the time on all this paperwork? Yeah. And none of, none of it matters to Dickie Bird, does it, until you have a problem. Yeah. And then it protects you. Firstly, it stops people trying on with you. It makes them go somewhere else in the first place. But if there is a problem, it's gold dust. I've been doing dispute resolution for more than 30 years. And to try and unwind this stuff when people don't have a proper contract is a complete nightmare. You're on a hiding to nothing in the main as, as a dispute with a residential client. Who's the court? Everything else being equal to going to side with. They think you're supposed to be the experts. These people, the client is doing it once in a lifetime. They're not experienced and don't know what to look out for. You should be guiding them and, and, and doing the appropriate thing. Okay, so a contract is really important. It's, it is important with residential clients because because they're inexperienced, they don't know what to expect, and they'll expect everything from you. And you need to make it clear what happens if they're providing stuff and it doesn't turn up. What happens if they're bringing in other subcontractors and they don't do things right? What happens um, if they don't pay you? All these things need to be written down. So there's a procedure for for sorting it out afterwards. And I spend in, I've got three or four on the go at the moment for quite large amounts of money. You know, luckily there's a paper trail on them and they're going to be relatively easy to sort out. 
Yeah. Uh, and all th- I've got three big ones on, and all three of them, the client is trying on not to pay my bill when they've done a good job. Okay, yeah. so it does happen. For the best will in the world, you can do everything right, and you can still have a problem, but your aim here is to minimise it going into these jobs so you don't yeah. have... I guess, uh, I, I guess um, it, you can have a really nice client the whole way through, and then it comes down to final payment, and then you can all fall out. Um, well, there are many certainties in life, are there, Joe? Uh, death and taxes a couple of them and the other one is the longer you're putting the house apart the less they want you you know that your high point is when they sign the contract everything's like gold dust isn't it sweetness and light they love you they've decided they want to invest their life savings with you the more you're there creating dust and disturbance and ruining their private life now i've got a proper kitchen and whatever you know the more they want you out of the house with the best wood in the world but at the end of the day when you're asking for the final payment they don't need you you know, yeah. so they've got any incentive in the world, haven't they, to try it on for a free holiday or pay a credit card bill or whatever it might be. Yeah, yeah. If they can save a few grand at the end, you know, why, why wouldn't they? Why yeah. wouldn't they? Yeah. And, and of course, it's not saving. It's, 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 it's well, sorry, I, I digress. I'll, I'll let you carry on. Sorry. Yeah. sorry. And if they've done it before and they got away with it, they'll try it on with you, won't they? So this is why it's so endemic in the industry, because most builders, rather than have a grief and try and sort it out yeah. or go to court, they'll just yeah. come down by a few thousand quid and make it go away, you know, so they've won the mm. client, haven't they? And that's yeah. your profit on the job. That was the money that you need if your next van or whatever to buy your next bit. Yeah, well, it, it's anxious times, isn't it, when it comes to that? You know, it's incredibly stressful running um, a, a building company at the um, at the best of time. And when a big pro- um, problem comes up or if someone's threatening to sue you for X or Y, you know, whether it's your fault or not, you just want the problem to go away. You want to move on. And so you'll settle, probably, um, you know, unless you are very legitimately in the right. So you'll... you'll yeah. yeah. <laughs> You know, a few thousand pound off your sort of eighty thousand pound building bill might not sound very much, but look at how much work you need to do to make that profit back in the year. Look how much yeah. money you made as a business overall for the whole of last year trading, and that two or three thousand pounds or whatever it is, what proportion of the profits you made in the previous year is that? You yeah. know, and it's yeah. probably a huge. A lot of builders aren't making any profit at all, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's a that's a massive problem. You look at the amount of work you need to do to make back that amount of money in profit. It's huge. Yeah, yeah, it's many, it's many worth times. worth the time and effort to spend doing this right to avoid those problems. Otherwise, you're working for nothing. You're better off sitting at home all day and not working. Yeah. 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 And, and, and of course, you know, in fairness, it does protect the, the, the customer too. You know, that, you know, there, there are some some builders that obviously um, are less than, <laughs> perhaps le- less uh, scrupulous and maybe, you know, the consumer is justified in disputing cost or the in- invoice, you know, sometimes. Um, so I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Well, there's plenty of them around, you know, and but the customer needs to do their due diligence. I did a credit search uh, just yesterday, actually. A, a customer has got 13 quotes. The guy's thinking of using was £150,000 cheaper than my builder on a £444,000 quote that my builder did. I did the credit check on the company he's thinking of using. They've got an outstanding county court judgment for £293,000. You know, they're not going to be in business to finish the project, are they? No, no, no. Like me enough. Yeah, okay? yeah. So, you know, the, the clients make a rub for their own back by going with a cheap guy that just talks the talk. They need to do the due diligence properly, you yeah. know. And if they do that, you know, there, there's a there's a rate for the job. There are no good cheap builders out there. And if you're a good builder, you shouldn't be cheap. Okay. Yeah. There's plenty of work out there. If you price just price accordingly to the quality of work you're doing. If you look yeah. around, you'll probably know builders are more expensive than you that don't do a good a job as you. If they can get it, you can definitely get it. Okay. So yeah. price accordingly, and the client should pay the right money for a proper builder. If they don't, they're going to be in for a problem because it can't be done for the money. 
that was quoted. They're going to be ripped off for extras, or they'll be blackmailed for more money, or they'll go just walk off the site. You know, yeah. we routinely get people coming to us. They didn't use our builders. There won't be somebody cheap. You know, have you got somebody who can finish a job off? And the answer is, well, no. You know, they don't want that sort of work. That guy's the first builder's milked you for all your money anyway. And if I put a builder in there and be looking over his shoulder, everything he does, querying everything, he doesn't need that grief. You know, yeah. yeah. a high profit margin with no aggro. So yeah. nobody wins when with yeah. builders, but there are plenty of them out there, unfortunately. You know, and we're trying yeah. to these these podcasts we're trying to help you separate yourself out and come across differently to the clients and these builders so you can win these jobs at the right money and have a good secure future and a good work-life balance which unfortunately most builders don't have yeah so to, to this point in the podcast today then so we've talked about filtering the client in the first place we have talked about you know the fully detailed estimate which is itemizing um everything and making sure that your pc sums are in the right place and um you're providing advice to to the the client, but you're comparative to 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 other firms. But you've got the full the full estimate there. Um, we've talked about a contract and important and the importance of making sure that changes are um, recorded. So again, there is just just the <laughs> the topic of actually getting paid and the kind of the flow of money into the into the business so are things like deposits and, and stage payments and I want to interject and say as well if there is a variation how that impacts the stage payments because we get talked to by builders who said right okay well we did have the stage payments in place da, 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 da. we did all of that right they then made a change which had 15 grand to the job but we didn't vary the stage payments or whatever and now I'm stuck with this 15 grand bill at the end that they won't pay so anyway, over to you. Deposits and stage payments. What's your thoughts? Okay. Well, this is my view. You can't go to Tesco's this afternoon, get three carrier bags of food, and when you get to the checkout, say, I'm going to pay you next week if I like the meal. So I don't know why a lot of builders work and start work with no money. You shouldn't be subsidising these clients at any stage, in my view, which is a big advantage of working for a residential customer. You're not there to fund their improvements on their property. You're not there to give them free credit or buy stuff on your credit accounts, hoping they'll pay you later. So yeah. always take a deposit in advance of starting the work. So there's two two scenarios here. Uh, first thing is if the work is going to start somewhere in the future. So if the work's going to start somewhere in the future, you've got a 5% non-refundable deposit to reserve the date in your diary now. You then recost the job with Estimator Express. You can just press the button and it'll update and resync all the prices. You then do that two weeks before you're due to start the job. You then redo your contract with the agreed price. The client either accepts that with the new contract, the new uh, payment schedule, um, and, uh, and and you go ahead with that. And they then pay you the remainder of the deposit. So uh, normally it's a 20% deposit before you start work. So you'll have the 5% you uh, they paid you when they gave you the job months ago, plus the balance of 20% of the new value. Okay, so before you start the job, two weeks before you start the job, you've got twenty percent of the job value. That's if you're starting in the future. If they then decide they can't afford the increase in price and they want to duck out, you keep the five percent. Okay, your duty then is to try and replace that lost time that you booked out the diary for them with other work. If you do, you have to pay them that money back. But in reality, that's almost impossible to do in the building trade, uh, which is why you must secure yourself. Large numbers of builders went bust after COVID because they had all this work built it booked in, and then one by one, 
just before they were due to start the jobs, the customer decided they were going to duck out because they were a bit unsure of their finances. I had one of my builders within a week, he had several jobs worth a million pounds worth of work, all pulled back at the last minute within a week. And he had to go bust. He just couldn't sustain the business with his overhead. Okay? Yeah. So 5% non-refundable deposit if he starts in ahead. If the job's going to start shortly, ideally, you want them to get to sign within 14 days of starting the work. You can get a 20% deposit when they start the job. And you, as you uh, rightly said, you get them to waive their right to cancel. You have a start now clause which says they're waiving their right to cancel the job. So that contract is then legally binding on them once they've signed and given you the 20% deposit. So that money covers you, doesn't it? It covers you for your health and safety, your site setup, it, to pre-buy materials, um, all your running costs of the business, your insurances, your overhead, all this type of stuff, your project management. So you've got money in the bank to start off with to fund the project because you have a huge amount of cost when you start the job. You then have regular payments throughout the job, okay? And I don't like my builders to work uh, on stage payments because generally speaking, what happens is you'll take a stage payment, you'll take a deposit, the next stage payment, there'll be a valuation and they'll snap up all the stage uh, all the deposit money that you had in the first stage payment. So then you're working in arrears for the remainder of the job by valuation on the work that you've done. So my preferred way of working is you have 20% deposit two weeks before you start. You have a pre-agreed payment schedule by time, weekly on a small job, perhaps fortnightly on a larger job, not linked to stages or valuations because they don't tend to go to time anyway. Uh, they tend to overlap and they can always find something to uh, come as a reason for not uh, paying you because you haven't completed a particular stage. If there's variations to the contract, you then reschedule your payment schedule. You re redo your payment schedule to more reflect the progress on the job. And they're not equal payments throughout the job because that will leave too much in the final payments compared to the work that's left on the money they owe you. So they start relatively high and they come down to a low value towards the end of the job. Your final payment on the job is no more than 5% within your profit margin or £1,000, okay? Therefore, if you don't get paid, it's not a problem. And if there's a problem throughout the job or you have a falling out with a client or they haven't got the money or whatever it might be, you can pull off that job at any stage and you may not have made money, but you certainly wouldn't have lost money. That's how you need to do your payment schedule. This will protect you and it will protect your business. And anybody that's prepared to work with you on the contract terms we've been talking about and these sort of payment terms, at least you know when you're going into that job, they're not looking to knock you at day one, which is a big, big advantage to start with. Now, you may have a falling out later on for whatever reason, but you've certainly screened out the people that are definitely looking to knock you by having these good contract terms having proper payment terms and deposit terms in place. And it will give you good cash flow. And you'll be amazed, those of you that aren't doing it this way, you will be dumbfounded what a difference it makes to your lifestyle by not having these cash flow issues. Okay, it's life changing. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's one thing less to worry about, one less thing to be chasing and keeping on top of um, yeah. all, the, all the time. Because um, you're no doubt being um, you know, pushed and pulled by suppliers and what have you. Um, you know, and you're at the beck and call of your clients. So you're pulled at both ends. Um, yeah. So what do, you, what do you think about retentions? What's, what's your thoughts on that? Never have them. Why would you want retentions? So my view is they want a retention, uh, whatever they want. If it's 5% retention, you add extra 5% at the beginning of the contract, assuming you're not going to get it. On a residential job, I don't see any reason why, unless it's very high value or 
is a particularly prestigious building or client or whatever. But then I would add in that extra margin at the beginning, assuming you're not going to get it. Because very often, unfortunately, you won't get it or you certainly won't get all of it. <clears throat> okay. Um, retentions are a real problem. Uh, it just sucks the life out of, of building companies if they're doing too much work like this. Uh, yeah. You can build up all this money and your, your 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 books and your accounts look brilliant with all this asset value that you're likely to get in the future. But in reality, it just doesn't materialise, does it? The other big problem is penalty clauses where they try and charge you so much a week if you're overdue. Um, yeah. Now, these these are a real problem. Okay, Firstly, they can't be enforced, really, unless it's a justifiable loss. So if you're working for a homeowner and they're living in the property, they can't really show a loss by you being a week or two late. So if they try to take you to court for that, it would probably be an unenforceable clause and they wouldn't win it anyway. If they're moved out and they've had to rent a property and they, they've got a £1,000 a week rent or whatever it might be, then they might have a justifiable case for saying if you've run over the timescales, then that's an extra cost I've had and you have to pay it. OK, so my answer is you don't have retentions or penalty clauses if the circumstances are where they have got a genuine extra cost by being you late. Then if you're early on that project, they've got a genuine saving. So my argument would be. OK, let's be even handed about this. If you want a thousand pound a week, if I'm late, pay me an extra thousand pound a week if I'm early. Yeah. Can't yeah. really argue the toss, can they? Because it's a genuine cost mm -hmm. saving mm -hmm. for them. And normally they back off and don't have that that penalty clause. Uh, but have had builders that have won it and got five or six thousand pounds extra on the job because of it, to be honest with you. Because people wanted to be back in the houses and they were happy for that. Yeah, okay? yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's an added incentive, isn't it, for the for the builder to uh, make sure it happens. Um, Most builders, if they're not, they should do, add in a couple of extra weeks leeway, because no job runs to timescale or to plan. There's always something unforeseen. It could just be the weather, could be yeah. supplier materials. You know, there's always something. So you need to give yourself some wiggle room here. Yeah. And you can monetize that if a client wants uh, a penalty clause by having a reverse penalty clause. And I think that's totally justifiable. But I, I see very rarely... That people try and enforce that or even yeah. mention it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, with Estimator Express, then there's the stage payments bonus pack that you can use. Um, and also um, you know, making sure that it's documented in um in the contract. And as we were saying before, making sure that those those payments, however so um, you know, they the the trailing, you know, high to low payments that Simon's talking about should there be a change to the the project and that you've got that documented in in a variation or change of works um document that is signed um then make sure that you amend your payment terms because as i say if you then take on another 5 10 15 grand's worth of you know work to do on the project um you will not end up getting that at the end um you need to make sure that that's reflected in the in the in those increased increasing payments um, and, and not assuming anything. Um, and also, I think you're yeah, just repeating not not assuming that because you've had what seemed like a very sensible conversation about a change that they that the client understands that there is a cost implication of that change. I don't think often that you know they're just going yeah oh great you can do it fantastic they move on. Um, not knowing that you know that will impact other things, it might mean that there's a delay to the project. It might mean that it's more expensive. That that is going to means you've got to put more steels in or whatever. You know, moving a doorway might seem not a big deal, but actually it's going to have a ricochet effect on the program. Um, and I mean that they can't finish on time. You can't finish on time. 
Um, so yeah, um, make sure that that's um, that that that's considered. So, so Simon, just that point, just that point Joe, variations are a real problem if you're working for a householder. Oh, while you're here, can you just do this, that, or the yeah. other? Everybody does it, don't they? So yeah, my yeah. view is, if it's something insignificant, the first thing you, the first time they do it, they say, look, just as you saw, I gave you a very detailed quote. Uh, I haven't allowed for any variations in this contract. If you want something extra, it will be chargeable. I'll give you the price beforehand. You'll agree it or you won't agree it. We'll change the payment schedules, as Joe said. In this case, it's something relatively insignificant. So I'll do it for nothing for you in this instance. But anything in the future, I will have to quote you for it. Because if you yeah. don't do that, they'll keep coming out for bigger and bigger things until they finally find where you're bleeding all over the carpet and not prepared yeah. to go any further. Okay? Yeah. And that yeah. puts a stop to it straight away. That's a big reason builders lose lose money on yes. jobs. Okay? Yeah. Okay. So in terms of this last payment then, securing the last payment. So, you know, we, we, we've been talking about, you know, the, the, the reservation fee effectively, the deposit so that your cash flow positive the higher to lower decreasing payments, there's always going to be a last payment. You know, yep. just that's got that that has to happen. So, you know, have you got any advice um on, on that side of things? Yeah. First thing is you've got to take regular video evidence of all the work you've done throughout the job. So okay. if there's a falling out at any time and I don't want to pay you the final payment, they can't say, oh, you didn't do this, that or the other, because you're you've been locked out of the site. You can't then prove anything. So proper video evidence, every stage of what you've done. And my view is a week before you're due to finish or the beginning of the first week when you're due to finish, you go around with that client and you walk through every part of that job and you both make detailed notes of everything that needs to be finished and everything that's in the way of a snagging, any bits of damage or stuff that needs repainting, whatever it might be. You make a full and final snagging list for that job. Okay. You then both have a copy. You both sign it. You both agree it. And you have a statement. You tell them on Friday. Final balance is 5,320 quid or whatever it might be. So I'll expect that by backs on Friday. Uh, and we'll attend to all the snagging. Okay. If you don't do that, you will have a never ending snagging list whereby they keep coming back for something else. Oh, I've just found this. I've had it where clients have chucked a bucket of water over the wall and said there's damp coming in. I'm not going to pay you till that's sorted out, you know, all this type of stuff. So proper evidence of what you've done. Walk around with the clients, go through everything line by line, so there's no argument about what has to be finished and what is there in the way of snagging. So it's a, one, a full, final one that covers all that. They know when their last payment's due, they know the amount of the payment that's due, and there's no reason not to do that. And the day they make their final payment, you then agree to give them all the certification and the guarantees for the job. Okay, yeah. that's not the advice everybody gives, but I think that should be in exchange. They pay you the money, you give them the, the, the guarantees, because that, to be honest, is the only hold you have over them at the end of the job. Yeah, um, yeah. I was going to say, because you can both agree the final snagging list, but, you know, then what happens, the builder goes in, does the snagging, and then it's still not paid. Um, so. Yeah, well, this way, at least you had an agreement of what was going to be done. So very difficult for them to argue the toss after the event, isn't it? You've got a paper trail. Yeah, so that's true, yeah. It's all the things that relatively is a mediator to sort out. They've got to have a genuine reason then um, and proof of why they're not agreeing or why they haven't made the payment and what they're not agreeing to. Yeah, yeah. Much so I difficult. guess, yeah, that, sorry. It's, it's certainly very easy for them to have that conversation if you haven't done what I just said. Because yeah. there is no snagging list in place before they're asking for the final payment. Yeah, okay. All right, and as you say, you know, holding the certificates until that's made is is provides um, some power. 
um, at the end. And, and as you were saying before, if you had the payment structure that you're proposing does mean that, you know, the, the builder is always cash flow positive and it's not the end of the world if this final payment doesn't come in. But it does, it, it, it certainly minimises that issue, doesn't it? Um, yeah, that's all you can do, isn't it? There will be problems, you know, all we're doing here by the, these terms and conditions, the payment schedules, the contract is trying to minimise the potential problems and give yourself a route to resolving it if it does arise. So yeah. nothing's perfect here. You will still have problems and you won't solve them all 100% in your favour. But trust me, you'll have far less problems and you'll be able to resolve them far better and yeah. have far less money unpaid if you do these things we've said. Yeah. Okay. okay. So bottom line, that is how in theory we nail our payments and we'll certainly reduce the problems um, that uh, that are likely to occur. Um, so, you know, uh, I know that, you know, as busy builders, um, you know, you haven't necessarily got time for all of this paperwork. But as Simon was saying, it's 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 really important that you do. And, and ultimately, it reduces the, you know, the, the problems that you might have with an awkward customer. You know, you, you will have worked hard on the project. You've got to move on to the next. You don't want to be looking over your shoulder at the last one and worrying about what you're not being, um, you know, paid. And it's really not a good time with the economy as it is and prices rising to be in negative cash flow um, half the time. So uh, and that might only be a payment or two that is very challenging. Um, the, so, the, one, the one time you have a dispute, trust me, you will spend far more time and have far more aggravation trying to sort that one problem out than you would have spent doing a little bit of paperwork each time on every contract in advance. So, yeah. And it gives you a better work-life balance. Who wants all the stress and aggravation of an, you know, an awkward customer that's totally unjustified in holding money back from you? Yeah. It's a way to early heart attack, isn't it? You just don't need it. Just yes. prepare properly and do it right, and you won't have a problem. Yeah. So I guess, in summary, that means the quotation, the contract, the deposit, the scheduled payments, um, and as part of every project um, that you start up, um, and and kind of I guess a vow to yourself that you're not going to do another job, uh, you know, big or small, without without that in in place. So, um, Simon, I know you've helped loads of builders um, over over time, and um, and we find through the Skills Bootcamp that your your you know your advice and mentoring is invaluable. Um, so, if you would like to get listeners um, in touch with Simon, details are on our website in terms of the Better Business Group and all the contact information. And, and Simon does offer a free um, coaching session um, with to all HBXL customers. Um, so you can find his details there and he'll talk to you about your business and, and the kind of um, processes or challenges you're facing and, and and provide some initial advice on that. And then if you like what you hear, obviously, um, and you, you know, you've heard a lot from Simon today, then you um, can engage with his services longer term to help you improve how you run the business, secure it up, shore it up for 2024 because it's nearly a month it's nearly upon us i cannot believe 2024 is <laughs> this year has gone very fast yeah. so um if you're new to hbxl's uh, running a small building firm podcast have a listen to um some of the previous episodes there's another of simon's actually um i think on um, on, on running a, a healthier business um, and, and improving your profitability so thanks simon as always for joining us today uh, and thank you for everybody um listening um take care thank you very much a pleasure Thanks, guys. Cheers, Simon. Speak to you soon. Thanks, Joe. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Bye-bye. And if you'd like to see what positive changes you could make to your building firm, head over to hbxl.co.uk and take a look at HBXL's award-winning, estimating, CAD, and health and safety software, as well as our partner company initiatives. See you next time.